Ryan, what are you doing? I am making the announcement. I was just doing Twitter first. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) Yes. Let's do this thing. Uh, Damien. I'm here. Hey. Thank you for coming to this uh, (laughs) podcast and uh, hanging out with us. How have you been in COVID times? You bet. You know, trying to adjust to the new productivity and uh, figure out what that even means. Um, Mm. Doing good, though. Doing good. Staying busy and uh, trying to balance things the best I can. How about over there, Florida? You know, you'd, you'd expect Orlando, Florida to be a little bit worse considering we're like a travel hub of the world a little bit with Disney and all that. Hmm. But we're actually doing pretty good. Nobody I really know other than Chris has had COVID. So like, it's kind of nice to hear. So yeah. Yeah. yeah and Chris, you're <laughs> in Seattle, just across the water. Are you on the east side? Uh, nope. Linwood. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know where you are, nice. but it must be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm just down south of you a little bit. So. No, oh, very good. Great. True, true. Uh, Damien, do you want to talk about what you do? What do I do? What do I, mean, I who, do? I mean, anybody who doesn't know you, which is very few, but for those that don't. <laughs> it's real. Let's see. I spent the first seven years of my career as a technical sound designer, uh, working specifically at the intersection between content creation uh, for game audio and the kind of game engine engineering side. So right in that magic middle, working with implementation tools to to bridge the gap between uh, a DAW, an audio middleware, and the game engine. So slid right into this industry at a, a magic moment when tools to do this task were starting to become more common. Tools like FMOD and WISE had established themselves and were yeah, really bringing vocabulary across the industry and a kind of emerging standard. And so I was really lucky to step in during a time when there was a focus on really sharpening that skill in our industry. And so I uh, jumped around a lot of different places, did a lot of different things across the Star Wars universe, did a little Dead Space, a little bit of uncharted a bunch of telltale once upon a time and then eventually went in-house here in seattle at popcap again still in that magic middle doing the technical side not a content creator and not a programmer just working with tools working with creatives to make games sound great and eventually uh, as of last year landed as the software product manager at Audio Kinetic, helping to make tools to make games sound great. And uh, here I am. Audio Kinetic seems like a really cool place for you, especially since you're such a community guy. And I feel like Audio Kinetic has a pretty strong like community that's also pushing the boundaries of audio at the same time. They got community at the core for sure. And I just was digging around for something and uncovered an article I wrote three years ago that actually was pretty interesting. It's on the on the Audio Kinetic blog. And, you know, I, I think I started working kind of as a freelancer with Audio Kinetic, uh, helping them with some documentation once upon a time. Uh, I wrote a pretty significant tome called The Wise Adventure Game. Uh, that was a, a full-on introduction into authoring with WISE. It came with the WISE project with all these cool tips and tricks in it. 
and eventually was made into the wise adventure game that we know it today the unity project that exists for everyone to download and kind of soak in the uh, strategies of so anyway it's uh it's been great to have that relationship and uh, look back on just great people people who i would call friends and uh, be helping to build that future that's awesome what year was it that all of that stuff started when you said that you made it in right when wise and fmod started to show up for me it was 2006 hmm. and that was the year that they hit gdc for the first time that was the last year gdc was in san jose ah. uh, before they moved i think back to san francisco and yeah from there like uh, i worked on uh, a wise title it might have been two years or three years after that was my first one working for a company called pandemic studios in la on a game called the saboteur i remember the saboteur that was the uh that was the one that was like half black and white yeah as you release the world it comes to color <laughs> nice yeah nice. i remember that interesting interesting times but yeah that was, oh, Audio Kinetic had their 21st anniversary this year. Wow. So The only thing I've done for 21 years is live. <laughs> That's <laughs> impressive stuff. Truth. What, so you, you also, correct me if I'm wrong, did you start the Seattle Game Audio Meetup? Ah, uh, no. So that's the other thing, right? Got to Seattle about five years ago. Oh, you're, wow, you're that new. I thought you were there for a while. Yep. Hey, me too. I've been here for six years now. Uh, hit town five years ago. Did a little uh, back and forth in the year before that when I was contracting for PopCap in advance of moving here for the job. And there had been a great community initiative from some folks. Um, Drew Cady, Wes Lotta, the ArenaNet crew, James Ackley. Uh, so there had been some grassroots organization of the community here already. Uh, James Nixon would be another one, Andy Martin, you know. So there's already kind of cool stuff. And what happened is because I was coming back and forth um, to work with PopCap on occasion, living in Minnesota. <laughs> Please don't say that on this chat. <laughs> We're going to have to beep that word out when we. <laughs> Cold like Minnesota. Uh, I would come to town here in Seattle and I would just want to see people. So I would leverage the mailing list that they had set up and basically say, hey, I'm in town, let's party, we meet somewhere. And whoever showed up would show up. And really that was the way for me to like connect with people uh, not being from Seattle. Uh, and then over time grew that into something that um, eventually moved into a balance between social and educational meetups with so many developers here just felt natural to try and well i call them field trips right like let us come party at your house show us what you're working on talk us through some cool stuff that you're doing and in that way mix and match kind of the two great things about community and that's the the social piece or what some folks might call networks or relationship building but also the educational piece which is where everyone has an opportunity to share what they're doing in a kind of community of folks who are supportive and everyone benefits through that process of learning. 
That's awesome. I'm actually kind of curious, like, just in general, how what what shifts have you seen in the game audio community as a whole? Because to me, the game audio community feels like it's in a place where things are still small, very small, like in the grand scheme of things, it feels like. And I have a feeling it's going to get a lot bigger in the coming years. And the other thing about the sound design community as well, at least in our Discord server, is that everybody's so cool and nice <laughs> for the most part. Like, everyone's just awesome. For, for you, like, when you, like, got into game audio in 07 and, like, there was, like, this a little bit of a, bit of a boom in game audio with FMOD and Wise, did, did you feel like the community was always as strong as it was in 07 and whatnot? I think we've got it pretty good. There, There is a, a strong core of audio community that has existed and exists now. So I think that that has always been true. I felt it my first year. I feel it this year. That's awesome. Having handed off uh, the reins to Seattle Game Audio to Akash the car, again, like there are so many people who have uh, the spirit energy to drive these kind of initiatives. Is that unique to Game Audio? I'm not sure. Again, I have a bit of a narrow focus, but I think it's always been true. And I think there's always been torchbearers and, you know, the changing of the of, of hands as, as we move through. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about that feels like a bit of a paradigm shift is, you know, there are more more than ever educational resources around not just making sounds, not just making music, but that really that intersection of, I'll say, technical sound design, audio implementation. This was not really as big a thing when I started. Yeah, This was a lot of reading through SDK documentation, trying to understand, like highlighting the word audio when it would come up and then trying to decipher what that even <laughs> meant, right? And so kind of back to that idea of establishing a vocabulary or kind of emerging standards. If I, if I say audio event, we all know pretty much what I might be talking about. It's in most cases, no longer arm wrestling to get an audio programmer to understand the need for randomizing wave files hmm. and once upon a time and maybe even in certain circles of game engine development that is still a debate that rages on that we would need to randomize variations of a wave file however that was <laughs> right again we're only talking 15 years ago so um, that that's a pretty big change to me again that access to educational resources focus on yeah yeah what's available yeah, for sure. It sounds like what you've described in terms of like how you started and what you do and where is that that all sounds really similar to what Adam does and did, right? Especially even being at Popcap. Like did you guys overlap while you were there? Which Adam are we talking about? Uh Adam Croft. Hmm. Let's see, we never overlapped. I know Adam well, of course. Uh and mm -hmm. absolutely I think he takes it even deeper into the programming side of things. Right? But I think what what we okay. both kind of highlight is that niche in between content and the game and mm -hmm. the mm. idea that a sound is only as good as uh, how it's used if that's a mm. easy way to put it 
Makes sense to me. Or where it's positioned in the game, I guess, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can have uh, a great sound implemented, not communicate the intention of that sound if the implementation is not uh, aligned with that communication. So Definitely. Um, you, you were talking about how like there's an abundance of educational resources nowadays, and, and I completely agree, and it's really awesome to see. In comparison to like other industries though like there are thousands of art youtube channels that are like drawing or like animation or even music but sound design but sound design and Im implementation on all of this there's only really a handful that you can really pick out i mean you're you're with wise specifically and wise has like the uh, the educators list or like the official educators list yeah certified instructors Okay. Yeah. In yeah, balance with our certification program, and so yeah, that that resource piece is a big pillar of of what we do at Audio Kinetic for sure. To your point, right? Yeah, it still feels pretty nichey in the game audio universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll put it out there that like there were three books about game audio when when I started, maybe four four that I can think of. We maybe have yeah. what a dozen, maybe probably maybe a few more if maybe. you count historical tomes. So <laughs> and I think again, comparison wise, yeah, there's it's still pretty niche. Yeah. And on the audio kinetics uh, certified instructors, is that list growing more and more each year? Like is it is that becoming like exponential by any means? Or is that and are you seeing anything unique and new in that list that's standing out as an educator, I guess, in that kind of space? Great question. I'll I'll drop this seed in the ground and say that we had a presentation from from Tucker Dowd, who is the business analyst at Audio Kinetic, and he dropped some serious metrics around our community growth over these last years. And so I would say, yes, absolutely it's growing. And if you want to know more, you can dig into the wise worldwide online expo <laughs> live stream on our youtube channel and <laughs> soak in some glorious data nice. and then from the perspective of you know how is that changing like what does that mean and, and again I'll, I'll say on one side you've got our certified users right people who've gone through the certifications and they've not only completed the certifications, but they've paid for the certification to carry forward as a part of their resume, as a part of uh, what they bring to the table for a job interview, for, for their resume. Uh, and then we have the certified instructors, which is that one step further where once you've achieved that level of being certified, you now have this opportunity to turn around, teach wise to other people. And that's for people who can teach, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. The wise tutorials on YouTube are some of the best I've seen in terms of a front to back. Here's how you start. Here's how this all works. You know, everything in one place, very consistent series of videos. That stuff's really tough to come across too, because as we were talking about, everything in the education field for this is so niche that you get a lot of people just making their own video series about how to do F modern unity and stuff like that. But we're not talking about sure. people who've gone to college to learn how to teach. 
They're just like, I've learned how to do this, and this is the video I made as a result of that. And it's a little bit all over the place. And because that's even something that we've struggled with putting the game on your yeah. training series together is like, how do we structure this so that it fits what would generally be considered the most efficient curriculum for a certain subject front to back? Yeah. And the, yeah, the wise videos are definitely the ones that I've seen that are the best for that so far. Definitely. And, and also, like, in regards to what Chris said about like our struggles, like to like make a cohesive curriculum, there is so much you can do with wise. It's almost like, you can't teach everything in a course. Yeah, where do you even start? Yeah, exactly. I mean, getting a sound to play first step. After mm -hmm. that, maybe random containers. And you can show off like blend containers, RTPCs, and all that stuff. But then there's like the side that that's like, well, we have a footstep system that changes dynamically off of a switch container. What happens if you want to do a little bit, bit more beyond that? And then it's, I think the next, for me, I think the next step after all what we see currently in the educational space for audio is I, I hope anyways that it's teaching sound designers to be problem solvers and to be able to creatively utilize the tools at their disposal to sort of bloom I guess in the game audio industry and push the boundaries of it a little bit further yeah well also answering the question why like it's one thing to equip yourself with the skills to be able to randomize things to be able to parameterize but the, the questions of why apply a technique one way or another, or why is dynamic audio, what does it bring to the table and how do you sell that and advocate that as one of the key things that you bring to the table as someone with that skill, right? So it's answer that question of why for a developer that you might be working with, for a game that you might be trying to solve problems with, like what what skill am I going to use yeah. to solve this problem and why? That's kind of, that's that evolution, right? I was just going to say, it's great to hear that you felt the videos that we present um, help guide you on that path, at least of equipping you with the skills side, because it's a magic box full of almost limitless potential, right? And I was always fond of saying, you know, during my years of, of technical sound design that there's just way more than one way to do anything inside of the box, right? And that's not even once you've jumped outside the box yeah. and you have the game engine side of things to contend with. So I'm just talking like inside an audio middleware package, there's just, there's something to learn there. There's a skill set, And then you step out into the wider world of the game engine and the game systems. And that's a whole other leap of faith that someone needs to make learning wise to again, get to a point where they can answer some of those questions that come up and solve some of those problems through skill or technique, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's exciting to, to I mean, it's, it's an art form just like anything else, like making a sound or writing a piece of music or playing guitar. It's just, it's a set of tools, much totally. like a, a paint set or something like that. And, and I think that people that are new to integration and such, I think it's important for new uh, sound designers to look at it that way too and try not to be too intimidated by it because I think that intimidation factor with integration and such, they hear the words, they, they hear the words audio integration and they might shudder, but ho hopefully soon it'll be seen as a creative tool above all else. Well, and I'll, 
I'll kind of close the loop here right back to that community piece that we talked about in the beginning, right? You know, when you have a community or when you have a group of people that you're sharing the experience of game audio with, these are the people that you have to leverage, right? For their skills, for their passion. And it became really clear to me quickly that this one slice of game audio was, was my thing, this technical sound design piece. Uh, and at the same time, I met Will Roger, composer, just did the Mortal Kombat thing. He's done Call of Duty, right? And we were both kind of coming in at the same time. He was the music guy, obviously. Uh, and and so, like, I knew that if I had questions about that or if, if I needed music, like, he was good. He could do it, right? Same thing, uh, Karsten Royan or Anton Waldheck, you know, again, coming in at the same time. None of us had jobs. None of us knew what we were doing, right? But we were all kind of working through it together. And Karsten's a fantastic sound designer working at Bungie right now on Destiny 2. It's like, if I needed sound design, again, was not my focus, right? I didn't necessarily go in the backyard and start kicking over rocks, right? I was like, hey, Karsten, help me out with this thing. I needed a sprinkle of this and a dash of that. And again, it's through that collaboration, through that community involvement, and through helping to lift each other up educationally, that I feel like really I was able to navigate those waters on the way in and really helped me understand the process from multiple perspectives, not just my own in the focus that I had. So community piece is, um, again, I think can be leveraged to great to great degree. And it's nice to see the, the Discord channel. It's good to see folks showing up. Nice to see everyone. And I think that, uh, you know, your peers are your first opportunity for learning. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And it does it does help that help bridge that gap that you talked about being missing so often where it's like sound designers don't understand implementation programmers don't want to hear do anything with sound design and if you don't have the friends across the bridges then it's you know then there's that weird isolationism and i mean the community thing like for me i've only been doing this for maybe two maybe two years at the very very most and the very the first event that i went to was uh, when Alistair Hurst had the event at Amazon about the GTG stuff. And then I went to that and it was like, because I had just gone to PAX and that's where I met Ryan and Akash. And then I go to that event whenever that was shortly after PAX and then Akash is there and I was like, what? I don't, I had no idea who he was, but I just, the fact that he just put on a panel and now he's <laughs> yeah. at this thing. I was like, oh no, this is a big deal. And, but the number of people, the amount of uh, networking and stuff I've been able to do as a result of the group. I feel like this whole process is going to take me five plus years less than it would if I was going in cold turkey without that ability to meet up with everybody. And that is a lucky thing from the proximity perspective. Like yeah. you're here in Seattle. Seattle's got the raging community. We all like round up. And again, it has grown to this place where there is this educational component, which kind of takes it above just getting together for coffee or drinks. And the question I think especially worth asking during this time when we find ourselves sequestered in our studios is how do we build that same kind of community 
across the globe without that proximity speed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's a different question, I think is what I would say. It feels like the same question with a different context, right? And you would ask the same thing whether you were, you know, putting a flyer up trying to get people out for your gig or tweeting out some new hotness that you're gathering around at a certain time on the internet. Yeah. I think that like, if we're assuming we're talking about finding work, people that are trying to find work, there are people that are trying to find work, but then there's also people that need help still. And that doesn't change really. And no matter what happens, the idea of just continuing to make friends, but just switching it to online instead of in person is definitely something that's entirely viable. And I'll, I'll circle back to what you were saying too, about this creating a culture of, of education, right? I'm writing articles. I hadn't even worked on a game. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm even talking about in these articles about game audio. I didn't know what I was talking about, but it was part of my process, right? It was part of my process to write these things, part of my process to share those things externally. And I think that, again, as part of one's process, as they are finding their way into the industry, like whatever we can do to to help others who might be going through similar things, whatever we can do to help the light the way down a path that we've already walked. When I see the community resources from folks, it's empowering because I know that it took effort to put that stuff out there. I know that someone is going to stumble on that. It's going to save their bacon and they are going to be so glad to have had it. We don't have a a great way of, you know, high-fiving folks all the time for their contributions, but, but I'm real, real happy anytime I see that because I know that it comes back around. I know that this idea of giving really does bring something back over time. It does. Yeah, that that's that's something that I've been encouraging a lot of the students or and a lot of Blip Sounds community members that are in touch with me. I've helped them set goals. And I said afterwards, I said, hey, I want you to add this to your goals. And the goal was put out something weekly that will help the, the community. And I think that putting out a podcast, putting out a YouTube video, an article, a blog, a Twitter post that's a minute long, an Instagram post that's 30 seconds long, a Tumblr account, a MySpace, uh, <laughs> all Angel of those fire. things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you can you can post online with an, an, an iPod, right? Um, <laughs> the <laughs> Doing something to just create and support and teach somebody, no matter what skill level you're at, even if you're even if you're just starting sound design, you may have recorded something or you may have designed a sound, or you may have downloaded a sample library. How many people in the world haven't done that? You are still going to help those people, no matter how low on the totem pole you think you are. You're, you're, you're higher than enough people to teach as well. Totally. There's always something to teach, right? Yeah. And there's always something to learn. Like the lifelong learner thing, mm-hmm. that idea never gets old. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you guys want to do some blips and chats? with the community and hang out and stuff yeah a little q a uh cool let's do it everyone we're gonna go over to blips and chats uh where hopefully all of you guys can hang out and talk 
and uh, we'll just have an open kind of open table discussion with Damien and ourselves. So catch you guys there. My brother has two belly buttons, actually. Was he born twice? Um, you have a brother? No. <laughs> oh, that's you right. You totally brother. did it. <laughs>